1: Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement.
3: It's a total disrespect.
1: Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Danny Murphy discuss the standard of refereeing after the FA overturned Alexis McAllister's red card. Plus the latest on Mason Greenwood's future after Rachel Riley criticises Manchester United's handling of the situation. And also Simon Jordan hits back at comments from Nigel Benn. All will be explained. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Danny Murphy, I heard you on uh, Monday night, Crystal Palace against Arsenal. I get the impression Palace might have played all night and not scored, but you think I'm wrong in that?
4: Well, I think Arsenal deserve credit. When they went down to ten men, they defended really, really well. Nice little tactical tweak, went three centre-halves, and they did look reasonably comfortable. But the pressure was building near the end of the game. Palace was really committing. Yeah. I don't think they'd have wanted to go on for another ten minutes. Right. Um, right. But yeah, credit to Arsenal. They got the job done. It was a, it was a really intriguing game rather than end-to-end excitement. I thought the way Palace set up, if you want to watch, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of certain teams, midfielders, and open spaces in the first couple of weeks. You want to see how to set up a midfield that closes spaces and condenses and knows how to track runners and fill holes and help your centre-halves, then watch that. It was a bit ruined by the red card, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it changed the whole course of the game. The uh, officiating was poor on the night. I, I thought it was... It was all over the place. They didn't look comfortable in what they were doing. It wasn't a sending off. It wasn't a booking. Right. Um, I get. I'm all for the the yellows being thrown out for the petulance, time wasting, the silliness of the coaches barking on and all that. I'm all for it. But um, you know, simple decisions, especially red cards and stuff, should be. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm getting to the point where it's. It's more like I just wish there's there's be a bit more togetherness with it. So. All the officials, including Vara, are a team and there shouldn't be any ego involved in pointing out somebody gets a decision wrong or misses yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You know, this thing Howard talks about, um, you know, not, or not Howard, but the association talking about, you know, you don't want to re-ref the game.
5: But wrong is wrong, right is right. Just get the right decision. But you've also got to get buy-in from the protagonists because the referees, yeah. in fairness to them, are fighting against those that should be actually cooperating. And the reasons why I would suspect there's probably errors being thrown out is because they're not getting support from the players. They're not. They're having to re- push back against a narrative that's been created over years and years and years of, years of players bucking the system, cheating the system, coaches constantly criticising the system. So we're going to find this teething period, like we do in any yeah. new initiative, where there's going to be mistakes are made. And the reasons why these mistakes are being made is because they the players and the coaches have brought it upon themselves. Mm, they mm. brought this extreme reaction. Howard's this is a clear delineation. Howard's come in and gone, no more of this. No more of this nonsense. And you can see the character of Howard Webb impressing itself over the refereeing fraternity. Yeah. And in the longer game, I think that would be better. In I, the shorter I, I, term, it might be a little bit painful. There's, yeah, and the bumpy. There's,
4: there's some pluses. I, I, I think it was strange, I only heard the other day that apparently only what, was it three days, four days before the season started, the clubs were Told and communicated to regarding these new rules and what's what's going to oh, happen. with that? Rules are well, rules. Well, you what, abide by them. What's up with it is that maybe it would have been more sensible to get that message out before preseason started. <laughs> but so Danny, uh, let, let me finish. Sammy's just nailed it. Just so the players and the manager and the staff can actually get used to the new and, yeah. and start changing a bit, and in, even in the preseason friendlies, you know. But it, look, it doesn't take
3: Einstein to realise that players have a lot to do themselves. Simon's right. You look at it the other night, Havertz holds on to
4: the ball forever, gives it to Tommy Asu,
3: yep. who's a bit slow himself, and Tommy Asu gets booked. But I just Thanks said for that, I'm Kai. fine
4: with that. What I'm not fine with is referees between them, whether it be the ref and Navar, not being able to see that McAllister was, you know, it, it wasn't a sending off or the Wolves penalty in the last minute. They're, they're not about new laws and regulations. They're about... Yeah, incompetence. They're about they're well, but about ridiculous about, but, but that's decisions. That's about subjectivity. Yeah, no, it's you, not. It, it, it's, it's about not. subjectivity. There's nobody in
5: the world who thinks the Wolves one wasn't a penalty. There's nobody in the world no, who thinks d- okay, the should McAllister. have been sent that's off. That's about subjectivity. Because what we're defining, well, we are because we're defining intent, right? No one knows what the intent is in a player's mind besides the player. Right? Okay. So with that in mind, what well, where we are? And I understand your point, and I concur with your point of view, which is the longer you give people to the opportunity to acclimatise something, the more likely you are to get an outcome. Unfortunately in football, what happens is the longer you give people the opportunity to acclimatise something, the more they think they can debate it. The more they think they can push back against it, the more they can argue against it. And whilst, if indeed that is the case, that the the refereeing fraternity and the PGMOl drop these rule changes, which, by the way, aren't really rule changes, it is simply (laughs) holding the line and saying do things that you should be doing in the first place. And it's a ridiculous situation now that we've got to this situation where referees are having to do what they're having to do to get order back into the game, to get players to understand ultimately. And and I was going off on some tangent yesterday about the ridiculousness of the arguments being put forward by people saying, well, we're going to be on the pitch for 15 minutes longer. And, and people are saying it with a straight face. And people are suggesting that this is somehow a problem, which they are the architects of all of it. I just think that, like everything else in football, we're in a moment where the road is a little bit bumpy. This bumpy road was created by those that are complaining about the bumpiness of it. So they'll have to get on with it. Yeah. And they'll have to accept that there is, a, there is an authority on the pitch. That authority is the referee... And that should be the end of a discussion, as it, as it often is in other sports, except yeah, football not, doesn't have not, that role. I'm and not. it's
3: funny, Danny, you always talk about incompetence amongst the officials. You never you never label incompetence at any player. I do. I mean, so it was a mistake, so it was a mistake. And what have they got? They've got the ability to turn it round, so McAllister's got out of it, which is good. And the right decision, the right decision, of course it is. Yeah. But, but it... this isn't incompetence. Incompetence makes them sound stupid. They're not stupid, these officials. They are trying their level best well, we to make the game better for if everybody. If trying your best
4: is, is enough... Is Howard Webb the right guy for the job? I think so. There you go then. Yeah. Let him operate but, but I'm, it. But I'm, I'm sitting here agreeing with a lot of what you're saying. I hate people trying to stitch other people up and diving and giving simulating yellow cars to get someone else done. Hmm. I hate stupid time-wasting. I hate seeing coaches berating the fourth officials, running down and shouting. Sh- Fine, cut it all out. I've got no problem. Hmm. And I've even got no problem with extra time being played because that'll get reduced when the players start messing around. Where, All I'm yeah. simply saying is that it's been it's been evident in the first couple of weeks that there's a bit of confusion around the big decisions on, especially a couple of the penalties we've seen as well. Some, you know, like obvious, more obvious ones, not just subjective, but more. I think ninety percent of people say, saying one thing, you'll always get a small minority whether they're fans of the team saying another, but. Why the VAR isn't helping the referees more, my opinion is that I think there's this, this initiative where they're talking about not re-reffing games. It doesn't matter, I don't think, if it's right. That the, that the VAR pulls up the ref and even asks him to look at the monitor a bit more.
5: I still think we've gone away from asking ref to come and have a look at the monitor. But this is what we asked for, though, wasn't it? Ultimately, there was an indi- indication from people that they want referees on the pitch to have the courage of convictions and to be able to make decisions and to go with their on-field decisions as much as they possibly can. So Howard Webb is now three-line whipping that by saying, in, a, in an ideal world, we'd prefer not to re-ref. We'd prefer for referees to be able to own their decisions, to have the strength of their of their convictions on the field, and make in the game decisions without VAR constantly coming in and over, overturning. I Yet. get the sentiment, yeah. but it's yeah.
4: putting it's putting an idea in the head of the guys at VAR that, that 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 thinking about that instead of thinking is that right or wrong, and and I, I don't like that. I think it, they should have the freedom and autonomy to be able to go. Actually, come on, it's a wrong decision. And I, and I go back to the one the, at right. which was the, probably the most obvious one so far this season. I mean,
3: Cascarino and the Times is kind of siding with you, Danny. It, you know, At the present rate, there'll be 114 cards in this campaign. Trigger happy approach means referees are not ensuring that games are good, fair and clean. Instead, they're prioritising punishing players. But I believe they're jumping into decisions far too hastily. But they've got to be seen to be the adjudicators. They're in charge, Danny. The players can't have it all. And they've had it all for a while.
4: I think the the players have got to abide to the new damned rules. Yeah, I think one of the problems is because of the petulance and the silly yellows. Then you're seeing a few more reds because, and more and a more normal tackle that is a yellow and that's it for the game is then being the second yellow and it's always
5: being. And that's the consequence of the initial silliness in the first place. So I
4: I think they'll be reduced.
5: I don't think that's going to be a long-term issue. Well, it would be. It would only be reduced. If the players fall in line, they will. Fall it in won't. Line. It won't be reduced by the referees compromising their view, and suddenly the initiative starts to weaken and gets diluted down. How would Webb, from what I understand? And having had a long conversation with Mike Dean, specifically on this subject last week, he's absolutely adamant that this is not something that comes through and passes through and all of a sudden they lose their luster well, after three months. Let's hope not because, I, I mean, Sam, be the players but,
4: that change. Sam on Monday, was, he was correct actually in a, in a few examples on Monday night, which was a bit unusual that I think because of how the game was going, the referee did let a few things go that in other games they weren't. So there was a couple of examples of Arsenal players doing this and, and he didn't book them and actually when he saw him irrelevant to what people think and how many cards he's dishing out, he should he have just booked. gone yeah, that's bump, right. bump that's right. because that's going to stop then but I'm, I'm, I'm not against the majority of what's being try, trying to be implemented at all I, I just want the, bigger deci- the big decisions to become a, a, a team effort not this I don't want to really make the ref look stupid and I, I, I don't necessarily agree that refs are making too many silly decisions sometimes they don't make them And we've had that argument before. They're not making them because they've got VAR in the background. They're trying their best.
5: But some of the big decisions in the first couple of weeks have not had the right I I also think it's incumbent, and I'm not suggesting that we have this sort of socialistic approach to the thing, but the football mafia, the football fraternity that constantly is looking to criticise any new initiative should actually be a little bit more vociferous on defending the decision-making process and looking after the referees. Not that I think the referees should be given a pass from making mistakes, not that I want to encourage referees to become little Mussolinis. What I'm suggesting is that the refereeing refereeing, um, ideals and the sentiment when you've got the talking heads, whether it's on Match of the Day or whether it's on Sky, that are constantly going after the referee rather than the principle of why the referee is doing this. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I think there should be a a sort of collective force to say... Do we agree that the principles of what the referees are trying to achieve is right? OK, then we need to criticise the execution of it at times, but the principle needs to be supported. Right. And I think that's an important message. Right. I mean,
3: Danny, this is what you get. I mean, there's a guy back in you, Morning Guys, Danny's bang on here. Leave off Jim Simon. Uh, Howard Webb, yeah, competent, but his cronies definitely are not. In fact, they're terrible. Not true.
4: Not there's true. That's from poor refs at the minute, Jim. There's some. Afraid, I tell you what. There's some con men players. Exactly, and I'm all for that. Do so, you know what? They're, they're, why
3: do you call them out? I, I always would. But do why don't you call them last, incontinent? Season, last season? Why don't you, do you level egotistical behaviour at them?
4: I, I would as soon as I, when I see it. I always do. I mean, I was the first one to say that. Sabozla, like it wasn't a pen at the weekend. He con the ref, and he should, he should have been over to him, but the ref, the the, 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 the var didn't. I mean, we'll talk about how great Sir Bosley is, but that wasn't a pen.
3: Players and, have got a lot to do here, Danny. I think Simon's right in that. Players
4: have got to fall into line with it. It's a balance between the petulance, time wasting, and the stupidness. Get it all booked. Get them. Yeah. And if they get sent off, fine. Who cares? You'll learn a quick lesson. The fine balance, and we complimented the refs last year and the officials on the higher bar on letting the game go and players not... Yep. Every time someone falls over or gets touched, it's not a free kick. And I think the game improved last season. Yep. I heard, I mean, lots of people were talking about the positive aspect of referees letting the game go and not pe- not being fooled by people getting touched and rolling over like they've been shot. It's gone backwards a bit, that, at the start of the season. like to see that go back. And that's the balance they've got to try and find. But the big, de- the big decisions generally... Mm. At the start of the season, haven't been dealt with particularly well. well and that, think, that's uh, the bit that got sooner me. Sooner
3: than later, Simon, I think we need to hear from Howard Webb again as to how it's going. Are you weakening? Will games still go yeah. to 111, 115
4: minutes?
5: Yep. I'm, I'm sure, sure we you will.
4: Know. i tell you what. And when we asked for Howard, we should be getting Howard. i tell you what. When we make t- an approach I to the PGMOL. I'll imp- tell you what's impressive and better. Even when they do mess it up, like whoever it was who <laughs> pulled Gary O'Neill <laughs> after the United up. game. Straight away, look, we've made a we've made a. Boob. Yeah. They pull him
3: and they yeah. tell him. Yeah. And the old, the Never younger. hear that from players in post-match interviews the no. Sky, do you? And, the and then then you've got Fernandez. Actually, we were, a week later
5: coming out and turning around know, and believing yeah. that he has a right to yeah. say something. Like I'm assuming John Moss, when he's not busy singing with Culture Club, he's going to come over <laughs> and apologise for what happened to us. <laughs> uh, and even we, even, Jim,
4: even the decision on McAllister, how quickly they've done it? Yeah, Liverpool have appealed it. We've had a look. Bump.
5: Danger.
1: Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Michael, Leeds fan. Michael, good morning to you. How are you doing? Uh, Very good, thank you. Uh, What's your take on this and the standard of officialdom at this time?
2: I'll answer that in a a second, mate. But what I want to say is, first of all, when I heard the news about Simon last week, Life wasn't worth living after I heard it until he told me that it was all right again. So I just want to say, I hope you're okay. You're probably the best man on the planet. And if anything does happen to you, something happens to me, mate. So all the best. Oh,
5: that's very kind, well, mate. Thank you very much.
2: Right, pal. Um, I, I listened to Danny before. Um, I, I agree with Danny. Um, I know you said it's a bit harsh, calling him incompetent, Jim, but that penalty against Wolves, um, if that's our incompetence, I don't know what it is. And I also agree um, when he says about it's like the officials are trying to undermine um, the other officials as such if they tell them to overturn a decision, which is nonsense. Um, but the thing that does my head in mate, is that if you're going to book someone, you're going to book someone you don't have the time on. You can't add 30 seconds on and then book someone. I've seen someone roll a foot over the ball the other day and they added 30 seconds on and give me a yellow card. It's either one or the other. You can't have 30 bookings a game and 20 minutes added on at the end. It doesn't make sense. So, I mean, what you're saying is a kind of double whammy
3: uh, yeah. there.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's one punishment or the other, mate. Like I say, you can't, you can't book someone for time-wasting and then add the time on. Michael, do you, do you I think ag- you can? But do you agree with me, Michael, I think you that you can legally? The only the
3: way, way. this will work is if the players do their bit as well.
2: Absolutely. It's their own fault to start with. There's nothing worse than seeing a bit of diving action and someone wanting someone else book them because it's very, very rare you see one of our boys doing it. But that's by the by. Like I say, it's, it, it's a double punishment for me. I understand what the lads are saying. Yeah, you can't do it. It's not illegal to do it. It's not against the law for the officials to do it. But it just seems like a double whammy and a waste of time for me.
3: Michael, mm. uh, thanks so much for your call. Thanks for your comments about Simon as well. Martin's a big Arsenal fan. Martin, good morning. Morning, guys. Morning,
5: Mike. How
6: are you doing, Simon? Are you
5: are you okay? I'm very well, thank you, Martin. Good boy,
6: we're thinking of you. Yeah, so, <laughs> born in Celest, um, Guna, mate, um, but both. <laughs> Just to it <laughs> 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 but Love yeah. it. To, slightly off subject, really, but, you know. Decisions are decisions during a match. You know, you've got to give credit to referees, difficult job, backed up by VAR. Decisions are decisions. Just one thought. You've got VAR now, so you've got total match coverage. If there was a panel who sat and just reviewed matches afterwards and just picked up trends and various behaviours, we won't go into all the details on pitches, and players, you know, uh, demonstrating that sort of behavior on a consistent basis wouldn't it be wouldn't it be valid for those players to get a note from i to say this pattern of behavior is being noticed and we see it in matches don't we you've got youngsters seeing it in matches and we want to take some without going to detail some of these things out out of the game now it's players responsibility but if they knew there's no to hide you've got VR coverage, somebody will review matches, and be sensible about it, (laughs) and just, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't crack the whole situation, but it would perhaps make a small difference and edge it in the right direction. Are you, yeah, you, mean I mean, like
4: you mean like a quarterly school report, in effect, that goes to the clubs to give the players to say, you know, we'll keep them? We, I
6: think so. And you've got all the coverage now, in VR. There are various things in the matches we don't want to see, really. We just want to see a fair game, and the supporters want to see a fair game. And um, it just might help a bit. It won't, you know, it's not the silver bullet or anything, but it might <laughs> just, you've got that data, so... You know, yeah, It's not a bad idea, before.
5: Simon, just that you're being watched. You'd be surprised, and I don't want to keep banging on about the fact I spent time with Mike Dean last week, but the level of intelligence and data... An evaluation that they're doing behind the scenes in this sort of area is quite significant. So don't be under the illusion that there is a one-way transaction here, which is basically information not being utilised to be able to build out trends, understand positions, look at teams, look at how they behave, look at the refereeing performances, evaluate every single aspect and nuance. I was quite surprised because I'm in the camp of saying they're not doing enough, they should be doing more, they should be more intelligence, they should be using data to be able to project tre- trends and they are. I think and they, they do are. loads. And, yeah, I, and I
4: think they don't even have to do all that. Thinking about it as we talk about that subject, I mean, the press are pretty damn good at pointing out a regular offender of certain crimes on the pitch. I say crimes loosely. You know, like offences on the pitch. So I, I think you start getting a picture of who's... Who's a regular diver? Who's a regular? Yeah, bat, you know, you yeah. you
3: do create. But I'm they're just, being watched, and we'll point, yeah. we'll point them out. We'll point the finger at them. But you started this, Danny, by saying these players at clubs have only had three days to embrace
4: the new rules. Well, embrace them. <coughs> well, I, do I, I don't know for a fact. I th- I, I think um, I'd uh, be surprised. I think Arteta said it after the game to somebody. So oh, yes, um, it must be true then. I'll well, it might, it might be for Arsenal, it might not be for other clubs, but apparently three days before the season. Three and days,
3: three weeks, What whatever. you're saying
4: is if you get told the rules on something today, you, will know, you know them tomorrow, is what you're saying. Well, you attempt to embrace them, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. Of course. I kind of, of agree. I'm you just agree say, now, and you started all this. Well, no, I'm saying it's relevant because what you're talking about, and rightly so, is players' bad behaviour that they've been at for a long time. So if you've been behaving badly, Jim, for quite a long time, it's going to take you a while. To very hard in, to yeah. click your fingers yeah. and go, "Stop yeah. doing that," will yeah. you? Yeah. So actually, it would have helped if it had bit, but Simon made a good point, also, didn't he? Regarding that, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those. I I think you, there's no there's no perfect way. No, they they they're doing what they're doing with good intent.
3: Uh, if we if we show a bit of onus and responsibility from the player side of it, then this thing might actually progress in the right direction.
4: If they buy into it, this is going to work. Well, they've got no choice. As long as the officials stay consistent. exactly. If they just take their foot off the gas a bit, it will go backwards.
6: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: world's most dangerous download outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport
3: Simon we spoke at length yesterday um, about the situation regarding Mason Greenwood yes Uh, Mason Greenwood no longer going to be a part of anything that Manchester United do and he leaves the football club of course the big question now is where is he going to go where is he going to play his football next now A whole variety of different opinion on this. Um, And uh, one lady who claims to be uh, a big Manchester United fan, a celebrity Manchester United fan, is Rachel Riley. And she has hit out once more at the club's handling of the Greenwood situation, calling into question the future of the chief executive, Richard Arnold. She says, and I'm quoting now, this overreaching statement will put wind in the sails of abusers and send a message to victims it's more trouble than it's worth to report alleged abuse. It's so disappointing to see my club contribute to the culture that upholds this. The question before them was not whether Mason Greenwood may be found guilty in a criminal or even civil court. It was whether he's fit to to wear the United badge, to be a role model to kids who look up to footballers as heroes or have his name proudly displayed on shirts sold in the club shop. And then she went on to speak to a podcast called The News Agents Podcast.
0: I think it's gaslighting for people to <laughs> have two statements saying, you know, Mason Greenwood himself saying he's been cleared of all charges, which is not the case. You know, the claims were dropped because the key witness dropped out and they claimed new evidence. It's been absolutely mismanaged. I've been a Man United supporter since before I was born. My dad's been going since 1960. I've had my baby's Man United stuff ready when they were in the womb and I've never been more ashamed of the club. I think it's just a disgrace and they had another opportunity to make it right, make a good statement and they have just greenlighted the abuse that's been going on on social media and I'm so disappointed.
3: Do you think that The CEO of Manchester United, Richard Arnold, should consider his position over the way he's handled this affair.
0: Yes, yes, I do. And I I say this with such a heavy heart. I mean, these players are heroes, Manchester United players. For little kids, they're your heroes. And for me, you know, I did Manchester United as my subject or mastermind. I've been lucky enough to go for work for the club, to do charity events, to meet the players, to meet the manager, to go to the director's box for matches. It's like my ultimate dream, and I would love more than anything in the world to, to give that to my daughters. I can't not speak out. I mean, the what I risk as a fan or, you know, as someone who gets all these privileges compared to what a domestic abuse victim survivor risks by coming forward, even though she may not, or he may not be believed, it wasn't a viable option at all.
3: For those who don't know, in February the CPS dropped charges against Greenwood of attempted rape, controlling and coercive behaviour and assault. After key witnesses withdrew, Greenwood denies all the charges. Manchester United concluded they did not believe Greenwood was guilty. But it would be best if he were to continue his career somewhere else. And in the front page of this newspaper this morning, Rachel kick out Manchester United chief exec over Mason. The chief exec being Richard Arnold. Richard Arnold, yeah. I mean, Simon, should should Arnold be under pressure here so much as to lose his job?
5: I would imagine with Rachel Riley's extensive experience of understanding the complexity of this case and all its nuances and every detail of what's involved in a situation where you've got legal matters, you've got contractual law, you've got employment law. I would imagine she's speaking from a great position of education um, and understanding the principles because she's not. There is, this is a very, very, very complex set of circumstances. And to make it binary, as she is seeking to do, I think is probably slightly flawed. What do you mean, to make, make it binary? Well, the fact of the matter is it isn't just the case of, uh, of suggesting that Because the case hasn't been tried, because we're not able to speak to this properly and because there's so much complexity behind it, it makes it a very difficult subject to address. Mm. Because there is so much detail behind this as to the reasons why people like Mason Greenwood would be able to suggest that they, in their own minds they've been cleared of this. Why Manchester United would have to do a thorough investigation to evaluate what the situation is full stop before they start moving into the territory of how they handle this situation and how they exit themselves from it, and what is the best course of action for all parties considered. Now, obviously, from the point of view of the optics, the optics of the situation which is what's driving this, not the nuance, not the context, not the nature of the detail and the real detail behind the circumstances that underpin this situation, the optics. So Rachel Riley speaking to the optics, it's her gift. If she believes in her extensive experience of handling situations like this that Manchester United have handled it in a poor fashion and left themselves open to criticism, and that's her gift. I I personally don't think she's in a position to say that... And I don't think that anybody's gaslighting anybody. Who's to say she hasn't researched the situation, this particular case from start to finish? Well, maybe she has. But again, I would ask the question, unless you're in a position where you have handled a circumstance, where you've been a chief executive of a public domain business, facing this particular situation, dealing with contractual law, dealing with employment law, dealing with the legalities of a set of circumstances, then you're speaking from a point of view of a very one-dimensional myopic outlook and it will gain and garner headlines. I'm glad to see that she handled handed back the shirt that Manchester United gave her via Ryan Giggs, because it would be hypocrisy in that, wouldn't there, given the circumstances that Ryan Giggs has found himself in recent times. But she's entitled to a view.
1: Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: At the moment, more doors are closing than opening mm. for Mason Greenwood, the latest of which was only last night. Because the Saudis told me directly last night, when I asked the question, uh, is it expected that Mason Greenwood will end up playing for a club in your country? The answer that came back to to me was, no expectation here that that will happen. So, it begs the question, where is this great talent, and we're all agreed in that, where is he going to resurrect his football career? I haven't got a clue,
4: Jim. Uh, I think he deserves the right to plave a career. Still, I think he also deserves, you know, the punishment he's had and, and and the criticism he gets. You can't behave like that and do what he did without repercussions. And he's going to live with them for a long, long time. And he's going to have to rebuild. And he's going to have to try somehow to gain some um, some form of um, respect again in the way he conducts himself as a person. Footballer, father, son, all those Partner, all those things, he's got a long journey ahead of him But to completely Erase him from football and give him No opportunity to rebuild I think would be wrong So I don't know where he's going to end up But I hope he can find somewhere where he can Try again um, And get the help And support he needs moving forward I do I do hope that for him Where, where exactly I do not know It's going to be tough wherever he goes there will be takers from a, if we just narrow it down from a football inability. This lad is a superstar. Yep, he he may take a while to get somewhere near back because being out of the game that long is difficult. Speed, physicality, fitness, all those things, and and the problems he's going to face with opposing, you know, fans if not their own fans of the team he does sign for. There is going to be that to try and contend with, which won't be easy. And let you know, let's be honest about it. There might not be a way back. Even if he does get an opportunity, he might not be able to deal with it. And that would be a shame. But that would He be, wouldn't be able to deal with yeah, it? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I don't think there's um, a good comparison to think back and try and compare it to, really. Of being over, being able to overcome um, such a, you know, like the, the, the problems he's going to face when he fought, walks on a football pitch again. We, we, we heard
3: yesterday, Simon, from Natalie Burrell, um, yeah. from the, who, who was speaking on behalf of uh, yep. many Manchester United fans, who were saying this was the only decision that could happen. We've now heard more from Rachel Riley, mm-hmm. who, let's not beat about the bush, is an extremely intelligent woman. And no it's quite, it. quite right to have any opinion that she cares to have. Um, and she's taken a strong line in it, saying that this might and maybe should cost Richard Arnold, the chief executive, his position at the football club. And messages coming in of all sorts of varieties, some I can read out, some I wouldn't dream of reading out. But uh, there's one who has who's, who's just come to me, someone who, who um, works in the media. Rachel is right in, in this view. They have no investigatory powers, Manchester United. They should have just released a short statement as to what their decision was, when you look at it, it's pretty much a total PR disaster. Do you think it has been, Simon, for Manchester United? Because you said to me yesterday, and I believe you, you would have handled this differently.
5: I think um, that that the idea that Manchester United wouldn't have paid the prerequisite amount of attention to precisely what they were saying and the manner in which they were saying it um, is slightly naive. Um, and I think that Richard Arnold was the guy that was put front and centre on this. He was the proverbial sacrificial lamb if this goes wrong because the Glazers wanted him to do his job, which is the average chief executive. I would suspect that the best minds that they could turn to this from both a PR and legal front have applied themselves to it. Now, whether that is now being hijacked and turned into an analysis, I don't think it's... I think it's Rachel Riley's gift to have an opinion on what she thinks about her club. I don't think, if she doesn't understand the processes that are being followed and the reasons why people have got to it, that she should be actually calling for the resignation of a chief executive of a a football club, not because I have any allegiance to Manchester United or any particular concern about Richard Arnold, but because I think, unless you understand the processes, then you're speaking from a point of view that is based upon jingoistic and... Grabbing headlines that potentially are easily easily gainable by this particular set of circumstances, I I don't think there was an ideal way to handle it. I think whichever way someone would have gone, they would have gotten it wrong. I think it's very clear to me looking at a situation from a legal framework and from a contractual law, which none of these people are acclimatised to, none of these people that are speaking about these situations have ever run big businesses, they've ever been in environments where there was a legal obligation to behave in a certain way and a contractual situation. I would imagine, given the fact that charges have been dropped, given the fact that Manchester United will have done some form of investigation to evaluate how they get themselves into a position to be able to make this statement, that contractually they were on slightly sticky wicket with what this boy could and couldn't go after them for. In terms of, that might make people suck in a breath because they think that ultimately he's a domestic abuser and he should be entitled to nothing but the door. That's in one world, in the real world, where things are slightly different. If you've got a situation where someone hasn't been proven guilty... Let's be clear. We've seen optics that are very, very disturbing. We don't know all the no- nuance and context. And some people will say, for the purposes of the conversation, I couldn't give a monkey's about nuance and context. What I saw were optics that were unpalatable, are condoning a sort of behaviour, justifying it, and fueling a narrative that's out in this country in certain we're, men's minds.
3: We're all agreed he's an exceptional footballing talent. Yeah. yeah. Correct? Yes. We're, we're, we're all agreed on that. It, you yeah. were a club owner, Simon. Yeah. A very ambitious one. If you owned a club in European football...
5: Would you take him on? Again, it goes down to the. I mean, it goes down to the character of the boy, the rehabilitation that he's entitled to. Everybody's entitled to redemption. As I said to you yesterday, Mike Tyson runs around the world as a hero, and he's a convicted rapist. In certain people's minds, he won't be. But he got to fight. He got to win world titles. He got universal appeal. Eric Cantona assaulted a football fan, justified or not, and was, was only got away from going to prison by some sort of deal with the judicial system. So with all these things in mind, it is an imperfect world. People are entitled to rehabilitation. We can go down the list of footballers over the years and sportsmen over the years that have put themselves in a way of of bringing themselves into very difficult situations and their behaviour being reprehensible. Some of the greatest players that have ever existed have put themselves in these set of circumstances. Um, And in this instance, I think this young man is entitled... To go and find a journey to rehabilitate himself in the eyes of the public, to assess his own behaviour, and to grow up in his behaviour, and to and to take responsibility for the for the for the behaviour that he's exhibited in the past. And I think that the statement he put out, albeit constructed and concocted by PR people, will either be proven to be the case or it'll just be lip service. And I would like to see him playing football and rehabilitating himself. Because I don't believe that a society should take everything away from somebody because they've made a pretty significant mistake. Because there there will be all of us, not to that extent and not for those circumstances, that will walk through society making mistakes and someone coming along and saying, that's it, no redemption for you. Well, the CPS
3: dropped all charges against uh, Mason Greenwood and Greenwood himself denied. All charges.
1: The world's most dangerous download, outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: And I don't think you'll be getting an invite around the Ben's house any anytime soon Very either. disappointing. Uh, the Fighters Right podcast with Spencer Fearn and Tunde Ajay uh, on the Stamina for Sale YouTube yep. channel. Right, that's that out the road. Uh, they spoke to Nigel Ben. The full interview is out tomorrow. Uh, but Nigel had this to say about Connor, his son, and the criticism that has come Connor's way.
7: That's for Connor because of me. He ain't done nothing wrong. But you know what he's made. They get their comeuppance. They will get their comeuppance. I guarantee you, they get their comeuppance. So, so how do you know, even 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 all them people like them, um, like Jordan and Talksport? Uh, and all the rest of that—that that little, little smarmy, little Spencer whatever you know, Oliver all different All these the only little smarmy little. You know, if I was the backhanding, but you know, and I get nick. But the difference is, you know, if not one of them on on do they say, you know what? Let's get somebody to fight for Conor. No, they had all the negative people, that had the boxing ball, they had all, in, all the people. So they're all like, they're all, all, all like stowing, stowing. That's what they're all about. Just all stirring, all year. of like, you know, look this wait, because you know what it is? Look what happened to Amir Khan. They didn't do nothing, did they? They waited a year and said, oh, look, we found a year. But then with Connor, you find that in two seconds.
3: I'm just checking with producer Luke. It's not me he's after, is it? Nigel. It's Simon. No, he
5: is right. Spencer is a bit smarmy. Um, yeah, yeah, But look, I mean, he'd, Tiny be, and smarmy. He'd, he'd be better served having given some decent parental advice and some proper guidance to his son rather than blaming other people for the circumstances that his son finds himself in. And the the same people that have suggested since the get-go that all they ever wanted Conor Ben to do was to prove his innocence in difficult circumstances. And debating whether it was appropriate for fighter to tell the British Boxing Board of Control to do one as part of his defence, or whether it was appropriate for him to go on Piers Morgan and make a fool of himself. I would have thought that his father, who was a great fighter, I don't think he's going to solve too many Mensa problems, um, but his father was a great fighter, Uh, Rather than taking on this narrative of victimhood, there's not one single interview, discussion that that man can point to that suggests that either myself or Spencer Oliver have had a vendetta against his son, that I've have said things that are unfair. All we have said is if the governance of this sport requires a fighter to prove himself innocent and that strict liability, which is the accounting for what's in your body, is the inherent obligation, then please do that. Connor, that's it. And what these guys can't do is they can, they can shout their mouths off because they're very significant individuals in the boxing world and they're physical and all that sort of stuff, but they can't debate it. Nigel Benn could not sit across a room from me and say to me, you've been unfair. You've had a vendetta. I don't like the rhetoric you've deployed. And then point me to the par- parts of what I've said that he could, in principle, disagree with. Mm. He couldn't. Mm. What they do is they debate with people that will have an echo chamber mentality. Yeah, It's not grown up thinking. Nobody in the talk sport uh, environment has ever wanted Conor Ben to be guilty of anything. But they also believe that his behaviour, his attitude, his disposition, his outlook, and the manner in which he's been looked after by lots of people, including his promoter, has been fundamentally wrong. Yes, and they should, and people should be able to call it out. It shouldn't be dressed up as a vendetta because you want to have a victimhood narrative. It's it's weak. You're absolutely weak. right,
3: Nigel. If you're listening, I've had nothing to do with any of that. Nor me, um, nor Danny. I, I have. I've had lots to do with it. So come and say it to me. Even with Spencer on your shoulders, you might struggle against Nigel Benn. I think? couldn't
5: care less. This, the, 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 what they do is they have no substance for what they. But this is this is what I feel. Yeah. Well, let's deal with facts. Mm. Facts trump what you feel. If you want to have something to say about somebody, yeah. And you've got the courage of your convictions. Come on, then. everyone knows that you're a middleweight champion of the world. We all know what you did. I went to the Joe McClellan fight. Come and have a grown-up conversation about what's been said about your son. You won't because you can't. And when you do it with grown-ups, you're going to be put in your place. <laughs> sorry. Okay. everyone will say, come out and bash me up now. You can join Dr. Zoe in the queue. Yeah, but no, that's, that's very, it.
3: very well said. And this silly, echo chamber silly. mentality. Mentality. You get it. Weak, S- it? Coming up to 12 noon.
1: Download Stand Well Back. Listen Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from.
0: We'll be back tomorrow.